Welcome to The Divorce Podcast, a podcast that aims to address divorce, separation and co-parenting here in the UK, countering the often sensationalist way it's portrayed in the media, challenging the status quo and driving for reform. On each episode, I'm joined by experts to discuss divorce, separation and co-parenting from different angles and to give their opinions and to debate them. I'm Kate Daly, a relationship counsellor and divorce coach, co-founder of Amicable, the divorce services company, and host of this, The Divorce Podcast. In this episode, I'm joined by Tash Bloom from Livemore and Audrey, a Livemore customer, to talk about funding life after separation. Livemore is a mortgage provider for people aged 50 and over. Audrey begins this episode by talking about her own divorce and how it left her in a difficult financial situation, something I'm sure many of us can relate to. We explore common financial problems that arise after a separation, and Tash talks about the ways that Livemore has helped Audrey to fund her life after divorce. Tash explains the different types of mortgages on offer once you hit later life, and alternative ways of securing funding to purchase properties. As Tash points out, there are lots of different specialists you can consult if you're looking for advice post-divorce and you're over 50. If you really loved this episode or want to hear more episodes like this, then please make sure to rate us on your preferred listening platform. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's lovely to have you both. And this is a bit of a different episode because I think it's the first time we've had somebody talking about the service they offer and who's brought a a fantastic customer along as well. So it's really lovely to have you, Audrey. Thank you very much. I'm going to start with you, if I may. Tell us a little bit about your experience of getting divorced. What sort of life did you have when you were married and, and how did that change? Well, thanks for giving the opportunity to um, come along and uh, chat. What I say, if everyone's experience of divorce is unique, but I think what we've all got in common is that it can be one of the most stressful and challenging and negative life events that we're going to have to go through. I myself have been married for 32 years and been together with my husband for 38 years. And we met, we were very young. I was only 17, he was 22. But I truly loved my husband and thought we'd got a good marriage. And I thought we'd be together until death did sort of part one of us. Um, But that dream got well and truly shattered when I found out he'd been having an affair. Um, So this this was 10 years ago. And it was with a woman some 19 years younger. Oh, gosh, that's just adding insult to injury, isn't it? (laughs) So, yes, devastated. The rug had truly been pulled from under my feet. Sounds like it came out of the blue as well, like you hadn't expected it. It sounds like from your perspective, things were just sort of rolling along. No. I mean, every marriage has its ups and downs. I know the previous year, it had been a, a difficult year, if, if you like. I know one of his best friends had had a major stroke and my husband sort of, you know, was quite um, involved in it, trying to help him with his recovery. Also, his father died probably 18 months previously to that. And I don't think he truly had dealt with that, really. But, you know, it was always in, in too busy, busy mode, really, to sort of get in touch with his emotions. So it was a difficult year that, that year before we you know, found out about his affair. And in fact, I found it, well, it was my daughter that found out about the affair. And I, at the time, I'd 
been on um, a visit to my sister in, who lived in Australia and she was also at a low period in her life. And so I, I, I was over there to sort of, you know, I was at the end of my holiday period at work and I got some extra holidays. So I, I spent some time with her and then flew into the news that um, <laughs> it had an affair. And then while I was away, he'd already rented somewhere. So from the day I arrived home, he was ready to move out. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> So you were you were living together and you owned your own home, presumably, from what yes. you've been saying. And you come yes, back from uh-huh. Australia. He announces that he's off. He's already rented somewhere and you're left in the family home at that point, negotiating a financial settlement and trying to sort through your divorce. Yeah. Yes, that's yeah. correct. Uh-huh. Gosh, that must have been a really stressful time. So you know, you go through this awful breakup and presumably you're dealing with solicitors. What sort of financial considerations did you have at that time then? What were you hoping for or thinking that might happen in terms of where you would end up? It must have been quite a frightening time, I would imagine. Um, Yes, it it was. Um, Obviously, at the age of 50, I mean, he he was 59, you're looking – Towards, you know, you're, you're coming off sort of um, thinking about in 10 years' time, maybe leaving work. So it's your pensions, it's your lifestyle, funding that lifestyle. Yeah, so, so it was, there was all sorts of things going from my mind and what, what's going to become of me and, and us. And um, yeah, yeah. So everything was just thrown up in the air. Yeah, I, I suffer from anxiety, sleepless nights. I go to see my doctors on sleeping tablets. My, my weight had dropped off and went on antidepressants. But throughout it all, obviously, I've got to carry on working because I've now got to support myself, you know, make sure I do carry on supporting myself. So so did you have to take over the mortgage like almost immediately then? So when he moved out, were you all of a sudden thrust into being financially independent or was there a sort of a, a handover stage where you were maybe doing something slightly different for a time being? No. Well, we were fortunate in respect of the fact that we'd already paid off our mortgage early. We'd been overpaying our mortgage. So, so fortunate there was, there was no debt there. And from an early stage of, well, well, as soon as we married, you know, my husband in particular being a few years older, wanted to have children fairly quickly into the marriage. So we'd always agreed that he'd, he'd take care of all the household bills and my salary, I fell pregnant about a year after I got married, my salary in that time went on buying things for the new house when we married. And then I, I worked sort of um, on a part-time basis when, when the children were young. So my my wages, my salary would pay for the children's bits, my own personal expenditure and um, my car, that sort of thing. So at the time, the divorce, well, when I did go to see a solicitor, then she explained that all the arrangements immediately would, would have to, whatever was in place until the financial settlement got agreed, he'd have to continue paying those bills and, and I'm pleased to say that he did sort of thing. So, Well, that's an important consideration, isn't it? So maintain we call it maintaining the status quo. So when you're trying to negotiate all of these things, if you can, to try and keep things as stable as possible, it is better, as you've rightly said, to just try and maintain that. It's not always possible. So it sounds like you were quite lucky. As you say, you didn't have a mortgage to pay off. But, you know, it is a really important consideration because sometimes you've got the immediate panic of what you're going to do in the interim. 
as well as trying to hold the longer term idea of what am I going to do in the long term in the future. So you've got two competing kind of financial situations competing for your attention and, and time. And I think that's something that a lot of us feel is really very stressful. The immediate, God, what am I going to do versus the, and how is this going to pan out long term? So yeah, I can imagine that was quite a relief when um, you were able to agree together that just to maintain the status quo whilst you negotiated the financial settlement. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about those financial negotiations then. What did you have to consider? So you had a property, you've mentioned pensions. So we had a house, we each had our, our cars, although his was a company car. We'd got some savings, we got some, both had ISAs and I think there were some national savings, some um, premium savings bonds. So that split and, and of course then the, the, the pension. And um, my sister advised, like, given obviously the length of time that we were married, those assets would be split sort of 50-50. So you got the idea of a 50-50 split because you had no dependent children by that point. That's right, yes. You're both earning money, you're getting towards retirement age, so you're looking at splitting everything and using what we call the sharing principle. Mm-hmm. Yes, that, that's that's right. But the most difficult thing, though, to value, though, was the, was the pension. And my husband had, served, had worked for the same employer for sort of 40 plus years and got a, a good pension from that. So that valuation was easy, but mine wasn't. I'd, I'd got various pensions, but with part-time working and, and some of my employment history didn't count towards a pension. I'd got sort of like very tiny pensions and all with different maturity ages. You know, some were going to be paying at 60, which when I'd started work would have been my retirement age, but the state pension age has sort of increased since. So what she said, we would need to have um, employ a specialist pension advisor. Okay. So you got an actuarial report then to look at the value of the pensions and to be able to compare all the different yes. pensions and the different types of pensions. Yes. yes that's, that's really correct. sensible, isn't it? Because yeah. just trying to compare pensions on what's called the CETV cash equivalent transfer value, that can be really tricky and fraught with difficulties. And it, it you can look like you've split it nice and evenly, but what it actually buys you in retirement can be two very different things. So it's interesting to hear that you did a very sensible thing and, and got a specialist actuary involved. Yes, yes. I mean, obviously you have to pay for that, but it, it, it's such a specialist thing. That it's worth it though, isn't it? it, it don't you it's think? most definitely it, worth it. You yes. could be so out of pocket in terms of pension yes, if you don't get a specialist yeah. involved. So yeah. Yes. And, and indeed, upon sort of like divorce, his company wouldn't allow me to keep my share of that pension with them. I had to have my own pension arrangements. And the, the pension specialist that, that we had, you know, for the divorce, I kept him on as my financial advisor because although I think I know a fair bit about sort of personal finances, I, I read the, the papers and whatever, that sort of is just too specialist. And um, so he knew of a company and, you know, I had a, then a, a, my manager put into a SIP. So you got the, it sounds like you got some real expert advice on the pension and you got that sorted out. You'd agreed roughly a 50-50 split for things like savings. So what happened with the house then? So you've got to find somewhere else to live. You're used to living in a nice house, mortgage free. You're by this point in your late 50s, did you say? Mid 50s, yeah. I was Mid 50s. You must have been yeah. wondering how on earth you were going to. Yes. Find somewhere to live. Who's going to give you a mortgage? How did that all unfold? 
Well, fortunately, the value of the house, if by, by downsizing quite considerably, I wanted to be mortgage free. And so I was able to do that with, with the savings split as well from the divorce settlement. And my, my eldest daughter was expecting a baby um, then and wanted to move and lived in a smaller house, but a nice views house. And I came up with the idea of, well, I would buy the house from her to enable her to move. And at least then I knew the area, I knew the neighbourhood. It was local to the station. I could walk to the station, save me on my car park. I'm likely to get gazumped, I imagine, as well. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So so, so that worked out well, if you like. (laughs) That that was a good thing. So I'm going to bring Tash in here then. So where did the Livemore connection come from? At what stage of the divorce were you then? So Audrey had moved on with her life and spent a vast amount of time in lockdown living in a muse house with neighbours making noise on either side of her. And one of them had a noisy baby, I seem to remember. And she realised that this was not the stage of her life to be living in a terraced house. But also, she would need to take a mortgage to get to where she wanted to be, which was in a bungalow. And if I'm right in saying this, so apologies if I get this wrong, Audrey's financial advisor suggested she look at Live More. Is that correct, Audrey? Yes. So with my financial advisor, I have like twice yearly reviews. And like when it came to the January, he said, so anything I need to be aware of, Audrey? And I said, well, I've actually seriously been considering, you know, thinking of moving, but I don't know how I would do this because the gap is just so large you know from coming from a so you escape from the divorce you land in a house that you think is going to be your ideal home yeah and life happens you decide it's not and you're thinking gosh I want to move but I know I've got to actually spend some more money to move to a place that I really want to be that's so interesting isn't it because sometimes when you're in the thick of a divorce you just want to move somewhere quickly don't you just so that you feel like yes. you've moved on and you've got it settled it's really interesting that you actually then wanted to be slightly more ambitious with your property and your <laughs> well, home yeah I mean well, it's stressful as yeah. well you've been through the stress of divorce the stress of a move I suppose you have to get to a sort of point where you think okay I'm ready to move again and from what you've told me you did move and your your home is your forever home yes yes uh-huh well, let's just unpick that step a little bit then. So, Audrey, you're in your mid-50s, you want to move, and you potentially don't look like the ideal mortgage candidate, shall we say, from the high street perspective. So, Tash, what do Livemore do that your average lender doesn't? Livemore is a mortgage company that specialises in mortgages. We have a manual underwriting process, which is similar in some ways to the way it used to be when you go and sit down with your bank manager, show your bank manager your full financial history, talk about what you need, what you've got, income coming from rentals, and they could look at the whole picture. So Livermore was started to recreate that that model of looking at the entire financial picture. So Vaudrey came to us with five pensions and a rental income from an apartment and dividends from investments. 
all of that would be taken into consideration. It wouldn't just be her state mortgage and one private or maybe two private pensions. And you don't have to be retired to be with Livermore either. So, you know, some people still work part-time or full-time in their 70s and 80s, and they still need a mortgage. Some people, for example, there's a term called mortgage prisoners, which is people who took out interest-only mortgages in the 90s. They're coming to end of term and they can't get a mortgage anywhere else. So they become, they either have to sell their home or they have to get another mortgage and they're stuck in a corner because a lot of lenders won't lend over a certain age. For us, as long as you can pay your mortgage, we don't have any age restriction. I think our oldest customer currently is 96. Wow. I know. Gosh. And I'm nearly 50, so I feel... But for me, it makes me feel safe knowing that as I get older, there's someone who can help me if I need it. It gives you a sense of safety. Well, this is a real issue for people who are divorcing. The average age of divorce is kind of mid-40s. So very often, and very often, it's people who are a little older than that. So maybe their children have grown and you know they've come to this sort of end of the relationship road with their partner now their family is raised and it's a really frightening time because traditional mortgage lenders you know want a much longer term and the pricing of products for people who are on a shorter term because they're just looking at salary and income um, from salary is punitive almost so it must have been a complete relief Audrey to find that actually there was an opportunity to do and to to move and to to get your dream property. Yes, because I mean, my financial advisor, you know, when I sort of said about this review, he he said a mortgage, and I said a mortgage, sort of thing. At my age, he said no. He said that you know, plenty of my clients, you know, have mortgages at this age, and he said again, when you've got to be consider um, importantly now is your inheritance tax sort of threshold. You obviously, as a single person, you've only got the three hundred twenty five thousand pounds threshold as a single person allowance. I think there's another 175 if you leave your property to your children or grandchildren. So, you know, if you don't want to end up paying 40% inheritance tax, you've got to try and keep your assets below that, that, that mark. He said, so your estate, you want some debt upon your death sort of thing to offset having to sort of pay, you know, to keep you out outside of that, that sort of bracket. And also, I mean, the other consideration was, do I take the money as a lump sum for my mortgage? But he said, well, as soon as you do that, you, you're, by taking um, pension, uh, taking money out of the pension, that loses its um, inheritance tax um, protection because that does, a pension doesn't form part of your estate for um, inheritance tax purposes. So let's just row back a little bit so everyone can keep up them. So you were considering drawing down a lump sum from your pension in order to purchase. And actually what the financial advisor said to you was if you take the money out of the pension, you lose the tax wrapper that a pension has because the pension effectively isn't part of the estate, considered part of the estate. Yes, that was one thing. Plus also by taking the lump sum, that's then income that you're taking. Then then you'll be you'll be taxed. Taxed on that. Uh, yes. Really, yeah. So you he said it's it's a no brainer to have one of these type of mortgages sort of thing. So, you know. Tash, just explain what type of mortgage then that Audrey had. So what was the difference between her mortgage and, say, a standard one? 
she has an interest-only mortgage. It's like a normal mortgage that most people get from a high street lender. The difference between us and them is that we don't have maximum age restrictions. We loan from 50 to 90 plus. It's a normal interest-only mortgage, and you've got two options with Livemore. You've got something called term interest-only mortgage, which has a fixed end date, or a retirement interest-only mortgage, which has no end date, and it can keep going, basically, without a cutoff date. In terms of interest rates, we can offer a lot of flexibility. We have fixed rates, which last for a minimum of five years, right through to a lifetime fix, which can work really well in a rising interest world. These products were created by lenders like us who recognized a real gap in the market with customers of a certain age not being able to get a mortgage. And then what were they going to do? And having no endowment policy or whatever to be able to pay back the capital. Yeah. Okay. So there are many types of customers that we can help. One such group and one that we are really proud to help are called mortgage prisoners. These are customers who have interest-only mortgages that are coming to the end of their term and the lenders are demanding repayment. If customers are unable to make repayment, it can mean that the property will be repossessed and they could become homeless. Our mortgages are designed to prevent this happening. We currently only offer interest-only mortgages. We will be expanding towards the end of this year into equity release and capital interest, so we can then help as many customers as possible. Audrey came to us and we were able to help her. She has the Rio mortgage, the retirement interest-only mortgage, which starts at the age of 55. Our term interest-only product starts at age 50, so we can help a wide range of customers. People have different needs. Some people want to draw down a large lump sum. Some are asset rich and income poor. Other people like Audrey want to do inheritance tax planning. They want to protect their assets and therefore they can. And they have strong pension income so they can afford to pay an interest only mortgage. Often people have worked in five or six jobs and each one has a small pension. But once you wrap it all up together, it's a substantial amount and our underwriting team look at every option. So it sounds like your underwriting team take into account a broader range of potential income sources. Is that fair enough? Yes, very much so. At Livemore, we look at each case on its own merits. So we look at each customer's income and outgoings through the term of the mortgage so we can work out exactly how much they can afford to borrow. This means that we can often lend more than that offered by our competitors and can be in excess of seven times, depending on individual customer circumstances. So that's you know twice as much as some of the better rates on the high street, isn't it? So is there is there a danger of people overextending themselves then? No, not at all, because our underwriting team look at their entire financial picture and then advise on how much they can borrow. Each case is very carefully looked at, but again, some of the high street lenders don't look at every single one of your pensions. But if you've got five pensions, we're going to look at all five of them. Because if it brings in an extra £200 a month, that's much more income you're able to show. So the manual underwriting, I think, really helps customers to get what they need. And our underwriters consistently get the most wonderful reviews on Trustpilot. Audrey, what was the process like to actually get the mortgage then? How simple or otherwise was it? 
it was relatively, I mean, before I saw the bungalow, I wanted to sort of get an idea that I, I would definitely get a mortgage sort of thing. So that was all agreed, etc. And, and knowing that, that, that was great. But it was still a bit of anxiety about this, having a mortgage when you're, you know, <laughs> at this age, because I was well, brought up. Well, that's the thing, oh, isn't it? It feels off. countercultural, yeah. You yes. pay it off and then you and live mortgage-free really, and that's it, yeah. I know. I really had to get my head around that. And I know when I told my mum, she was... No, no. <laughs> but when I explained what my financial advisor said, she, oh, yeah. okay, yeah, 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 all right then, <laughs> sort of thing. So, um, but that is that's interesting as well because that's testament to getting some good financial advice, isn't it? Yeah, when you're going through a divorce advice. or a separation, because you know you can be obsessed with being debt free or mortgage free. And depending on what interest rates are doing, and like you say, depending on your inheritance tax position, something I hadn't thought about before, and now I'm rapidly calculating whether I need to get a mortgage to uh, offset <laughs> the value of my house. So I'm sure there's lots of people listening. You can help. Oh, yeah. We've got wonderful people. I'll put you in touch with our, our experts. But it, it is countercultural, isn't it? Because it, it, it's been a thing to be debt free. And to then be thinking about, okay, taking on debt when you're older, I imagine that was quite anxiety provoking. So what reassured you? What gave you the courage? It's just where I wanted to be. It's just, um, as I say, I, I love living at the house that I did for those eight years. But, you know, lockdown really made me think hard. And um, just prior to lockdown as well, all that, again, there was car parking at the um, at the, the house I was, but not designated. So I, I was finding I wasn't going out in the evening because I wanted to make sure, I'd, you know, I'd get a car park. I got park back and to a, parking space. And, and yeah. I, I just put a, you know, when in lockdown, I just put a little tick list of everything that I wanted from a property and which would also serve me in the future as well because very aware of mobility issues and, and I don't want to be moving. And as my mum said, you don't want to be moving when you're, you know, in your 70s or your 80s. You've got the, the time and the energy to do it now sort of thing. So, um, so yeah, it, it was it, – I knew it was the right thing to do. Yeah, I knew it was the right thing to do. And as soon as I saw this, the, the bungalow I'm living in now, yes, it was old. I mean, it was dated. It, sadly, you know, a, a man had sort of spent his last two years in the nursing home here. It needed completely gutting. And I've loved doing it. I'm still doing it. I've just got one more room to do and I'm really there and I'm working on the garden. And it's it's taken my mind off lots and lots of things. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I know I made the right choice. So... And was it easy to understand the different options that you had? Because Tash mentioned earlier the different types of mortgage and the different options. Did you find that easy and to kind of navigate or did you have some help with that as well? My financial advisor actually put me in touch with, again, he said, although I'm a financial advisor, mortgages are another specialism sort of thing. So he put me in touch. He said, you know, let me have a quick word of his person and um and came back and said, yeah, that is the right way to go, what we were proposing, you know, that, um, for the inheritance tax, you know, to, to ha- have a debt at the end. And from that then, as I say, he sorted out that the, the mortgage with um, Livemore, he, he came up with a Livemore product for me. So, yeah. And, and again, as I say, I, I trust completely my financial advisor. He's almost like a friend now, Tom. And uh, yeah. <laughs> and Tash, for people who don't have a mortgage broker, do you deal direct with people? Absolutely. We do. We can reach out to us through our website or email hello at livemore. 
we will have one of our mortgage brokers contact you or one of our our team members and it's it's a very simple quick process of as long as you have all the paperwork ready it is easy and lots of people use it for inheritance tax planning or if they they're mortgage free but their kids are struggling to get on the on the housing ladder part of the bank of mom and dad to offset inheritance tax or just because they want to do their home later life projects it's not always it centers around the home but it isn't always specifically the home some people want to you take a mortgage out so they can afford their dream holiday so it's a form of borrowing really then isn't it you're a lender and you're securing against a property but ultimately whether it's university tuition fees or cars or houses for children or like you say holidays yeah. yeah one lady her mum moved in with her she needed to adapt her home for her mum because her mum had mobility problems so she took out the mortgage so that she could adapt things like the bathroom better suited to her mum and another person just wanted to build an extension so that their grandchildren can come and stay and just you mentioned paperwork that people needed to have in order to you know make the process simple what sort of things you know if people are listening and they're thinking gosh this sounds like the right thing for me what do they need so they will need to share bank statements and they will need to show proof of their pension, proof of investments, proof of rental income, things like that. They'll need to share proof of identification, so passport. So in most cases, people email us. So you are genuinely dealing or catering for people who aren't necessarily what we would call digital natives. So people who can, who perhaps, as you say, would rather have a phone call or send hard copy or whatever. And they have consistency because everyone you deal with. So if you come by a broker, the underwriting and sales teams, there are processes you go through. You start with your sales team, then you go on to the underwriting team and work your way through. But if our head of underwriting is on holiday, someone else within his team can look at your notes and they consistently see where you are so that they can get the case through quickly. And in some cases, the turnaround is that it can be a week. It just depends on how, how complicated your financial situation is. If somebody has a complicated, say, six pensions and various dividends and a bigger picture that they need to look at, then yes, of course, it takes longer. In Audrey's case, it was quite easy for them to read the situation, make an offer and eventually complete on the offer. Fantastic. I mean, Audrey, you're an inspiration. You genuinely are, you know, to go through a divorce and then to come out and to feel like you're ready to take on the world and, and go after your dream house. It's it's fantastic. And I think it's one of the real lessons is sometimes I think people get really tied up when we're doing divorce negotiations, thinking that the divorce is going to solve all of their financial problems. And it very rarely <laughs> ever does, unless you're in a massive money case, which, you know, isn't often the case. So it's really about knowing where to go and just seeing the divorce as one step in your journey. And then this next step and the, the service that Livemore offers, it just sounds like a, a real opportunity for people to be able to achieve some of the goals perhaps they set when they were divorcing and, and thinking about their onward life. So I can't thank you enough, Audrey and Tash, for coming to talk to us today. 
I'm just delighted to be able to talk to Audrey. I mean, the, the detail of Audrey's story that we haven't even, we, we've just scraped the surface of her story. She's a very special woman and enormously strong. Well, that's lovely to hear. Tash, you mentioned the website. Do you want to just mention the website again, the web address? Absolutely. www.livemorecapital.com. Brilliant. Thank you. So that's where you can go to find out more about Livermore. And thank you both very much for joining me today. Um, If you want to hear more of these episodes and you want to find out more about the Divorce Podcast, you can always follow me on Twitter. I'm at Kate underscore daily. You can get more information about the podcast at divorce underscore podcast. And if you've enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, then you can subscribe at thedivorcepodcast.com. Thank you both for joining me and thank you all for listening. Thank you very much. Thank you.